0: Will you join me in a spirit of prayer? Holy, loving God, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So no one in the Bible other than Jesus quite captures my spiritual imagination like Mary, the mother of Jesus. There is so much that we don't know about her, but the things that we do know about her bring us right into our bodies and into the very presence of God. Her relative, Elizabeth, does that too, which is maybe why I love and cherish this particular story so very much. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing a shirt uh, with a picture of Mary, it's historically accurate, Um, and it says, cast down the powerful, uh, lift up the lowly. And because it's the third Sunday of Advent, I had to have pink, there was no pink on the shirt, so that's where I'm wearing my fancy stole. Um... I also love the scandalous nature of this story, that those uh, whom their society would have shamed because of their bodies were the ones who were the heroines of the story. This year, the Barbie movie came out. Has anybody seen the Barbie movie? Okay. Uh, It was excellent, yeah. Um, and American Ferreira delivered this incredibly, um, just magnificent monologue about what it's like for women to reside in bodies and the double standards that women are challenged to live by. So I'd like to share with you the words of this monologue, and I adapted a little bit for language and for spoiler alerts. She says, it is literally impossible to be a woman. Like, we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say what you want, that you can never say that you want to be thin. You have to say that you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to, be to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the darn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood. But always stand out and be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory, and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. (laughs) I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself in knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is also true for a doll just representing women then I don't even know. When I saw this in the, in the theater, by the way, you could have heard a pin drop while this was being read. And then applause at the end because it was felt. You feel this in your body, right? It's the shame game. The easiest way to stop people from living freely and into their fullness is to shame them. Now, while Mary and Elizabeth probably didn't play with Barbies, this week, I couldn't help but think about how Mary and Elizabeth defied the standards about their bodies that they were prescribed, rejecting the shame game of their day. Their bodies were very much valued based on what they could produce, particularly when it came to bearing children. Alternatively, their bodies were a source of shame if their bodies didn't produce or if they produced it in the wrong way. So for Mary and Elizabeth, their bodies would have been shamed for the above reasons. Elizabeth was barren most of her life. When other women were bearing children in their prime years, Elizabeth's womb remained closed for business. She wasn't being a good wife unable to perform that which was expected of her. It wasn't until she was going on in years, or older in years, whatever ridiculous words we use to describe that, that she actually did bear a child when it felt like the ship had already passed, which was an incredible source of joy for her. So so Elizabeth's shame was early. She experienced it because of what her body couldn't do. And Mary, well, an unwed teenage pregnancy. Everybody loves that. She was even engaged. Absolutely scandalous. She also knew that according to the law found in Deuteronomy, she could be stoned for such a crime. It would eventually get to the point in her small village of about 50 to 75 families that the word would get around, and she would have to answer for what happened. Would people believe her incredible story? That a messenger from God visited her, a young woman, clearly not a priest, and told her the seemingly ridiculous story of what had just happened to her? Unlikely. You guessed it. Shame for you. They would also shame Joseph, by the way, her fiancé, especially if he decided to stay with her. And her family, too, if they supported her. But when the angel shared this good news <laughs> the good news, uh, with her, he reminded her that, Mary, you favored one, chosen by God, you're not alone. God will be with you and will support you and give you all of the courage that you will need to do this God's loving gaze is on you nothing will be impossible with God and none of this is by accident so we have these two women in their bodies who by outside appearances did not do things the right way God had also spoken to both of the men in their lives about this, and their response was fear and disbelief, understandably so. Especially Joseph. Wait, you're pregnant? (laughs) I know for a fact. That's not mine. Um, And they they both eventually got on board, but it took both of them a while, and that's not their story today. But Mary and Elizabeth, they received the news of joy, news with joy and gratitude to be partnering with God in God's story. When the angel told Mary that Elizabeth was also with child, she went to her right away and stayed there for three months. Elizabeth was already six months along, so it's likely that Mary got to witness Elizabeth giving birth. Elizabeth, gray-haired and wise, likely offering loving care to Mary, while Mary helped a growing Elizabeth take care of those tasks required of a woman's life in Judea. When I consider these three special, wonder-filled months, I praise God for the friendship that these two women had. Neither of them had the type of medical advancement that we have today, and this was both of their first pregnancies, so neither were experienced at this. They might have seen other women have babies, but it was not their experience. They had each other. They kept each other company. I imagine Elizabeth nurturing Mary through some of that morning sickness. I imagine the two of them sitting on the porch in their rocking chairs, hands on their bellies, sharing their hopes and dreams that were growing within their hearts, about the boys who were growing in their wombs, joyfully expectant, dreaming about what it would mean to be mothers, about what their boys would look like. Will he have my eyes? my nose, my skin, my hair. I imagine Mary watching Elizabeth get closer and closer to giving birth, watching her belly and her body expand and stretch, maybe even rubbing her feet as they became swollen. These two women, in extraordinary circumstances, probably did what ordinary women did with and for each other while they're pregnant. They spent time waiting together, caring for one another, and praying for the babies they both soon would deliver. And while with Elizabeth very early on in her pregnancy, Mary offered this beautiful song of praise that Lena had read for us earlier (coughs) from the Gospel of Luke. It's also called the Magnificat, and it is maybe my favorite scripture um, in the world. In this scripture, she praised God for the work that God was doing in and through her for choosing her to carry the Son of God into the world. But this song is not just about Mary and her experience of becoming a mother. The song was about who this boy was going to be. She didn't know all the details about his life, like that he would walk on water or miraculously equip his friends to feed thousands upon thousands of people in one sitting, the specific people that he would heal, or the storms he would eventually still. But she knew that he was the son of God. And that by coming into the world like this, everything would change forever. And this child, growing in her womb, she saw the gift that God was giving to the world and said yes to the invitation to working with God to give it away. She gave her consent for this. This wasn't something that God made her do. Her song was a prophetic poem narrating an upside-down kingdom her son would soon be the ruler of a kingdom that would bring down the powerful from their thrones, lift up the lowly. It would feed the hungry with good things and send the rich away empty. Which was good news for her people. Israel. A people whose land was occupied by foreign powers. In this baby that was growing in her belly, Mary somehow knew that her son, Jesus, was going to bring justice to the oppressed, to take care of the poor, and because of him, those who took advantage of her people would never win. In this song, Mary sang with pride and joy about this baby who is going to change the world. And praise God for inviting her to take a lead role in the story. One of my favorite verses in today's text is Elizabeth's word to Mary. When she greets her for the first time, she said, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. These two women carrying these baby boys were women of faith, prophets of the Most High God. God didn't choose them to bear John the Baptist who prepared the way of the Lord and Jesus, the embodiment of God, the incarnation, because their situations were ideal or because they were wealthy and powerful. That's who we might choose, but it wasn't who God did. God chose them to bear good news because of their faithfulness, because they would say yes. And through them, God would accomplish the most beautiful acts of love the world has ever seen. Elizabeth and especially Mary were the bearer of good news for their people and for the whole world. And it would bring them great joy. Today's Advent theme is joy. That's the pink candle. And Clara read in, in the, the Advent reading that joy is the deep conviction that we are all called to be present in the work of bringing about great things. A better world for those who need it most. And that was the kind of joy that Mary and Elizabeth lived with. Not a joy based on easy circumstances, but one based on living into the conviction that they got to be a part of bringing about a better world. I wonder what images stir up for you when you imagine living with that kind of joy. Is there a time you can recall living with that kind of joy?